Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and tonight I'm joined by Sean. How are you going, Sean? Yep, all right. Uh, got my COVID booster yesterday, so I feel like I've got knives in my armpits right now. But uh, uh, here I am, st- sucking it up on like John, who pulled a sickie. Oh, geez, here we go. Fighting words. Fight, <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Sorry, it's just soft. It's fine. Oh, geez, I'm not. I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> I'll let you two have your uh, you meet car park now a bit later once you once you eventually meet make up for it. But yeah, um, John, I hope you're all right, mate. With that, Liam, busy man tonight because over in Japan with their outbreak and everything. So he'll be back. They'll both be back with us next week when we do our preview podcast going into the Glasgow Derby. So you got me and Sean tonight. This could be this could go anywhere. So it could be over in 25 minutes, could be an hour and a half. Who knows? We'll crack on into it. So I'll just do the usual shout out straight away. So last week we had a lot of uh, people tuning in on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't subscribed and you liked what we do, please subscribe to the Soak Down Under YouTube channel. Also, if you're listening to this in podcast format, then please subscribe to Soak Down Under podcast as well via your podcast app. We'd really appreciate that. So there's been two games since our last podcast, Sean. There was Celtic 2, Alloa Athletic 1 in the Scottish Cup. Um, I don't think we need to go into too much depth on this. Everything's been said on other podcasts in the media and everything. But a bit of a um, – I think it was – there's two or three main touch points. Key things for me are Cal McGregor's broken cheekbone, uh, the refereeing, and, you know, the how physical Alloway Athletic were, which was to be expected. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Have, they never had the playing quality to play us off the pitch. So I expected them to go out and they couldn't win the game, try to win the fight. What was your take on the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I said last week I wanted to see wholesale change and that almost happened. Um, what I would have liked was basically every backup player plus – Rogic and Maeda, who are about to get on an airplane so they can play as well. Uh, so the one exception really to that was Callum McGregor, and he was the one who got the most severe injury. So that was a bit disappointing that uh, the, the worst-case scenario that we were hoping to avoid did eventuate. Um, pitch was shite, made for a shite game. Um, I thought uh, the Axon boys gave Jack Marcus a bit of a hard time. Uh, they actually... They got called out a bit for it and they were defending themselves. But I think the reason why it seemed like they were being more harsh on Giacomacus uh, was that they were kind of literally talking about him in the same sentence as Barkas and Bolongoli and Ayeti. Uh, so they were Your really not... association there, Sean. Yeah, they were barely taking a breath between talking about those players. So they kind of got it tight for that one. But I actually thought he had a good first half and especially for someone that's barely kicked the ball for the last six months. You know, like that was what he needed. He needed some minutes in the legs. His movement for the goal was good. If, if you look at it uh, again at the replay, he started to move before Liam Scales has hit the ball. So he's anticipating it. And, and Scales has obviously put a great ball in. Uh, it was very Tosh McKinley and Larson-esque. Uh, I know people hate when you bring up Larson comparisons, but like, I guess the Tosh McKinley... Comparison. I was going to say, Tosh I'm just going to have a problem with. <laughs> I was going to say, 
uh, Sutton or Hartson-esque for me. That's what I saw in terms of the movement and the physical presence more than a Larson type. Yeah, or maybe even a Vinegar or Fesselink or something. Uh, but because um, there was a thing Larson always said where he started to move when when he seen Tosh McKinley put his head down. So it was before Tosh McKinley's moving his legs. As soon as he puts his head down, that's when Larson makes his run. And I think that you can see that happened with Scales and Yakimakis there. And it was a great ball from Scales. Uh, I would actually quite like to see him giving a shot uh, ahead of Taylor because as much as Taylor's reliable, um, I don't think I've ever seen him put a cross in like that. He can pass well enough, but he can't cross very well, I don't think. I know he put in that good ball last week uh, in the, the Hibs game, but um, it's pretty inconsistent with that. And the, the Abada goal was pretty good, and it was fortunate we got that because it could have been a real slog in the second half, if not. Uh, obviously, Welsh got caught for the their goal, and Postacoglu coming out and admitting that he told the players to just stay out of tackles. Uh not surprising. And, and the fact that Barry Ferguson like tried to defend it, like, oh yeah, I don't no, no. I'd never send players out to injure another opponent. Uh and then oh, in the same interview, he says, I told them to bite ankles or whatever it was. I can't remember the exact words he said. So funny thing like, is like oh he, he's saying, Oh yeah, bite ankles. I was half expecting him to say, you know, go the squirrel, whatever. Like that's the sort of dodgy thing. If you're gonna tell people to go out there and if you don't win the ball, leave the studs in. Smack like you know, step on guys' feet, hit their ankles, whatever. What's the next step? Oh, spit on people, just kick them in the nuts, smack them in the balls, whatever you want it to be. That's the only escalations left, and then go racial. Like, seriously, it was just ridiculous for me. That was anti football at its best. And Barry Ferguson talks copious amounts of shit, and we, I don't trust the word he says because of who he is. Well, he chucked himself under the bus as well by saying that. And then the other thing he said was, oh, if any, if I thought any of my players were doing that, they'd be out of the team. Uh, mate, Mohamed Niang gets sent off regularly. He got sent off after 15 seconds in a game. He, Have you ever pulled him aside and had a word with him? Did you tell any of your players on Sunday to calm down with the tackles? No. It's referee's Con- job, and the referee didn't do that job. Connor Salmon, he's always been a big bulldozer of a man up front as well, no matter what team he's played for as well. So, yeah. Kind of, you kind of expect that with that between those two. So he's been sent off for elbows before, Connor Salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're saying there that you know it was the, the, that sort of thing. The referee, he didn't really, he didn't call the game. He was hopeless. Yeah, hundred percent got... agree with you. If Rangers can send their letter with their eight dot points and go to the SFA and get things changed or get things addressed. Someone at Celtic has to take the take the ball and just go and have a chat about it because I don't want to be whinging about it like sour grapes or whatever because this isn't it. It's an OHS issue. If I was in my work and every day there was a chance of something falling on me or something injuring me, it's an OHS issue. Mm-hmm. Players are entitled to feeling safe and know that they're gonna if someone does the wrong thing then there's going to be repercussions. And that's what the main issue here is. It's got nothing to do with, oh, Rangers get away with this, these guys get away with that, whatever. I don't really want to get into a conspiracy theory on the referees. We've been there before. We all honestly all openly know how ridiculous they are. And it could be an unconscious bias in that they've grown up with Rangers fans. They've got 
you know, family who support them, whatever. That's irrelevant in this conversation. For me, the here and now, it's an OHS issue. If our players are getting assaulted in their workplace, something has to be done. And it's not just us. If one of our players went in late like Niang did, say if Nibiton last night went in late on someone, I'd expect him to be sent off. Mm-hmm. It's common sense. Like, I don't have these blinkers on. I don't have green tinted glasses on. It's one of them things. I just want our players protected. And I'd expect if our players did the wrong thing, for them to be cop the repercussions too. Yeah, when, when a player gets sent off with that, you don't blame the opposition, you don't blame the referee, you, you blame the player for being an idiot. Like, I don't think I've ever heard a different narrative out of any Celtic fan. Like, that was a stu- If somebody gets a straight red, that was a stupid tackle. And even if you don't think it's worthy of a straight red, you still say it was a stupid tackle because... Bitch on, bitch on as himself. I brought him up because of Michelin. Yeah, and, even, and also when he pulled down Morelos as well. Like, it's... Yeah. Regardless of whether you believe it's a red or not, we always look at it and go... Well, that could be, you know, I can see how a referee's been given a choice there to give him a red and it's a stupid tackle to give the referee a choice, you know? Question is, is it preventable? Is it avoidable and is it preventable? If the action is preventable and the action is avoidable, then you've got nothing to go back on and whinge about and complain. Mm -hmm. So referees have got to step their game up. And if that's going to take someone at Celtic going and talking to the SFA and just going and addressing with a list of, these, this has happened in all these games. But if you really want to get something done, go in and say, but then our players have got away with this, 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 and this as well. Mm-hmm. Throw, yeah. you, throw yourselves at the mercy of it that way and go, we're not getting these calls, but then we're getting away with these calls. That's unfair mm-hmm. on our opponents. This is unfair on us. Can we clean this up across the league? Because do you really think guys are going to want to come to the Scottish league and play there if they're going to be getting kicked and battered around all the time? Yeah, exactly. We need to improve the quality of the game. That's it. That's why Robbie Keane left. That's why Frimpong left. These guys got the shit kicked out of them. And it took Celtic Twitter about five minutes to find three or four previous incidents just from Don Robertson, where players, Celtic players have been maimed and the opposition player hadn't been sent off. Uh, yeah. There was the one on Tierney. Where the, that was one of the worst ones, actually. The oh, Bowman yeah. one, Tierney. And... Uh, there was a Frimpong one. I think there was the Butcher one on Turnbull this year. Yeah, and then, the and yeah, and, and then yeah, Niang so, and that's just Don Robertson. It's just one yeah. referee, and that's just in the last three years for Celtic. How many games he refereed for Celtic in the last? So, are these teams scouting the referee and saying, "Oh, this ref's going to let us leave one on"? Juventus scout referees. I don't know if you remember the game where uh, Juventus came to Celtic Park and they were just like full-on rugby tackling at set pieces. And it came out afterwards, they'd scouted the referee and knew that he was going to let the defenders do that. So they did that. Yeah, the ones where they were standing there, wrapping their hands around guys, yeah. but not touching them, leaving a gap of about two or three inches. So they're not technically touching them, but they're stopping them so they can only step away from the goals to get away from them. Yeah. I don't, well, I think so it was actually worse than that. But yeah, oh, they knew, awesome. yeah, but they knew there was, there was, they knew it was, they they'd literally scouted the referee. So, are teams doing that against us? Probably. Yeah. The teams know when a referee is more likely to give a penalty. You can get the stats on this. So we went through it last week. Exactly. Like some referees are given a penalty every seven games, some's every two and a half. You know, so Robertson every three every seven games, and uh I think it was Madden every three games, if my memory was right from last week. There you go. So go down yeah. in your box. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like it's not 
It's not rocket science. We worked it out. Yeah, exactly. I think Andrew's comments after the game, you wanted to discuss them? Uh, well, it was more the, the day after when he responded to, uh, the, it was a fan media question actually in a press conference. And again, he kind of backed that up where he said, he called out the SFA and said, look, we see videos on this at the start of the year. They show us examples and say, we don't want this to happen. We're going to protect the players. And and he's quite right to say, look, there's at least two examples, three come straight to mind of that you would put on a video and say, this is not okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, there've been two retrospective red cards, I think only two uh, against us, for us, which, you know, whatever. It doesn't benefit us. It's, do you know what I mean? Like, so... I think he's quite right to, to call it out. We are not getting what we're told we should be getting. Yeah, and one last thing on those those things where Andrew's saying there's a bunch of things. Something that I saw on the weekend, and again this morning, our time for the game, the amount of tackles coming through from behind. Mm-hmm. It's creeping into the league again. Like This was a big issue in Ronnie's season, mm-hmm. Ronnie's last season. And now I'm seeing it starting to creep back into Scottish football again. And as I said earlier, it's an OHS issue. It's not going to take much for someone to do a knee or break an ankle or something with people coming through from behind. So it's got to be tidied up. Yeah. How Hulk just kept doing it to Jack and Marcus last night until he got booked. And he, yeah. he's just going to keep doing it until he, like, I don't give a shit about this whole, oh, you can't book them early because then it ruined the, the game. Oh. Piss off. The rules are the rules in the first, second, or in the last second of stoppage time. Who cares when the call is? If someone yeah. comes off kickoff and just runs through like a battering ram straight through players, they deserve a card. Yeah. If What are you saying? Morelos in the derby can run out and just – or oh, he's not going to be playing, but come through with the elbow up and just run through people early and be like, oh, I'm going to get away with it because it's in the first 40 seconds of the game? No. I remember Barry Robson did that in a, a, dar- a, a derby game against – uh, Rangers, uh, do you remember when he elbowed Christian Daly in the first um, like minute of the game? And he didn't, he was well, that's the kind of backward refereeing we had and still have. Like, it's not good, yep. And then we had the game this morning 2 1 win against Hearts. Um, I'll go through the, the lineups because we had a little chat now, group chat about you, you thought what the midfield would be. Mm-hmm. I said it'd be bit on Hatade and O'Reilly. So I got that one, Sean. There we go. Yeah, you called it, yeah. And um, we're going to talk about – yeah, so we'll, I want to touch on the old O'Reilly thing for the um, – like his signing, first of all. Mm-hmm. Like we got him for a pittance. What was it? One and a half million? Mm-hmm. And coming from – he was originally from Fulham, took a pay card, everyone knows, went to MK Dons for a year, got his move to us. He's everyone that you see online talking about him from either Fulham or from MK Dons were raving about him. Then you do the usual research, you watch the highlight clips, whatever, and you're like, okay, there's a player there. And to see him go out there last night on debut, win man of the match, um, eight key passes, an assist. I think there's, there's not just I'm going to say there's a player there. That is an absolute bargain mm-hmm. for the simple fact that he brings something on top of all that that I just spoke about that we don't have at the club. Now, he brings someone who can beat the first man on a corner. 
Yes, he hit a few quite long, like to the back post, and they went a little long. But if you put a six foot seven Julian in there, eventually run making those runs at the back post, I'm like, hmm, this is quite appetizing. I think it's going to be an interesting one for us. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at that going. Here's a guy that would have loved to have had like Julian and I as his centre back pairing, putting those balls into the back post. Carter Vickers is good in the air. Starfelt. Not so much, but you get Julian there making those runs to the back post that he used to do all the time before he got hurt once he's back playing, and you got that that ball coming in from the corner. Who has been taking corners for us all season? Uh, Turnbull. Turnbull, and who else? Um, Rogic took a few. That's about it. Jota took one last night, but that was Jota took one. one. I think Juranovic has taken one. Juranovic, that's who it's been recently, yeah, Juranovic. And Juranovic is good, don't get me wrong. But O'Reilly, that's what we need. Because my concern is if you have Juranovic taking a corner, and it's on the other side of the field to where he's supposed to be defending, he's a mile out of position if they Mm -hmm. get win the ball and they counter. So I'd rather have someone like O'Reilly there taking corners. So, yeah. Happy with that. Let's uh I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but let's see how he goes. But yeah, overall, um I'll throw to you your thoughts on the game. Yeah, I mean, just to touch on Matt O'Reilly before I move on. Yeah, we we do um well in, in what you were saying about Juranovic as well, is we do traditionally uh leave one or two fullbacks defending at the corners because the centre backs go up. So usually it used to be Kieran Tierney was always the last man uh, at these kind of corners. So you're right, if Juranovic is up there, that's kind of, yeah, it used to be Tier- Tierney and Forrest. So Tierney would be deepest and Forrest would be second deepest. And then, so I'm guessing Taylor's doing the Tierney role. So yeah, I'm not sure about Juranovic's Uran- position there. It's hard to pick it up on the, the TV camera. But when when O'Reilly went to take that first corner, I was like, oh, okay, this will be interesting. And then he absolutely nailed it. Like, that was one of the best corners. I don't know. See if somebody just got an end of it. Like, I don't know. Certain goal. Keeper couldn't get it right in the six-yard box of pace. All you had to do is get a touch on it. It was like taking like a sober Alan Thompson. That's what it reminded me of. Um, or or even a, a fit Lee Griffiths. Um, two, two exceedingly rare specimens. So hopefully Matt O'Reilly can do it. I think, uh, as you said, he's going to be very career-driven by the looks of it. And he does look a player. So... Him and Hitati look like we might just have them for 18 months and then on to Southampton or whoever uh, to prove themselves before they try and get a move to Liverpool. Um, well, yeah. O'Reilly was already linked with Dortmund when he was leaving Fulham. That's right. So Chelsea. they already yeah. scouted him. So it could be interesting. Yeah, exactly. But the, the midfield three were pretty good last night. And that's funny because like the first 10 minutes in, I sent a message to my, to my dad and my brother saying like, Oh, Hatati has been really poor. And and he had the first 10 minutes, he gave the ball away four times, like four times in a row, just gave away easy possession. And then as soon as, once I sent that message, he did nothing wrong for the rest of the game. He was perfect for the remainder of the game. Some I great balls. The same thing, Sean. That's what's funny. Like I was watching the first 10 and I'm like, what's he doing? Yeah. And then he gets the ball and he's got someone right on his hip and he just makes a really sharp turn back to the middle of the pitch pushes past someone, and from that point onwards, when he beat that man in close, it was just like, all right, he's up and about. Yeah, 
yeah, that's it. I think I don't know if it was the atmosphere or something, but yeah, it just took him 10 minutes to get screwed into the game. Bitton was good for the first hour. I thought he dropped off after he got a yellow card. He didn't really, you know, he gave away that penalty. Um, and I hated that that, that last half hour. Even though we were 2 0 up, I didn't really feel comfortable, like, because Hearts were just chucking balls into the box and you felt like something like that was going to happen. And then uh, the penalty, I mean, and then you thought it was going to happen again. Like, every time the ball went in, it was just pinball. And it's like, because of the camera angles, oh my God, is that a handball? I can't tell. Do you know what I mean? It was really nervy. Um, and then again, when they had the penalty, it was a stonewall penalty. But, um, yeah. I just want to go back a couple of steps before we discuss the penalty, Sean. Yeah. Because we've just skimmed over it. Hatade's oh. goal. Oh, Fuck yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that was a belter, wasn't it? Oh, I can't believe the speed he got into that shot and the control. It was just insane. And then Jack Amakis to make his run and basically backheel the goal, ball getting tackled and taken down. Like, good mm-hmm. quality finish. Again, as you said, making that run. Making mm-hmm. that quick run and getting there. So he's showing a bit now. And then on top of that, you look at that there, all that sort of stuff. And then I'm like, first half, I was like, yeah, we're two nil up. Could have been could have been four up, three or four easily. Ah, happy days. We carry on the same way. The talk of Jackamacus being offside for his goal, touch and go. I think he's onside. If his VR is off. Yeah. If he, yeah. It was it was touch and go. Like you look at it to the naked eye, you gotta go right back. Okay, freeze down to the foot. Mm-hmm. Where's the which foot's grounded, which foot's up? And for me, looking at it, he when the cross was hit, his front foot was up, but his back foot was down, which is what possibly to me, I thought he was on side for that reason. But VAR would have fixed that real quick. Yeah. Their goal, VAR, yeah. it was clearly offside. Yeah. But I clearly would have been offside with VAR, but it's the same touch. Uh, was it linesman making the same call? And we got away with one, they got away with one. I can't complain about that. Well, did you hear what Robbie Nielsen said? Oh, he's an idiot. No, he came out and said, um, he's straight up said, We probably got that goal because I spoke to the officials at halftime yeah. about the yeah. Celtic goal. At least he's honest about it. So he's like, just straight up coming out and stating in public, I am influencing officials. And yeah. uh, officials are under my influence in making decisions that are not objective. Yeah, well, he, he walked up the tunnel with the, the rest at half time having a crack about Jackamacus being offside. Yeah. And then, then we get to the penalty. And I'm watching it. I had the weirdest way of watching this game this morning. I'll just tell you now. I was, we had real bad thunderstorms here. My dog, he's got anxiety. I was out in my garage watching the game on my phone with him, <laughs> celebrating. Oh yeah! I guess my dog's just panting away like a lunatic. <laughs> Wish I had a big screen. But when that they took that penalty, Hart goes the wrong way, hits the post, and rolls behind him. Normally, if it hits the post, then comes back, it hits the keeper and goes back in. So how yeah. that hit the post, curled, missed him, and went out for a goal kick. I was just like, yes, like yeah. this. In the like, was as good as scoring a goal that that happened. And my dog's is like. Huh? And just looked at me like, Are you all right, you psycho? That's <laughs> good fun. Yeah, look, we, we're always guaranteed entertainment at Tencastle. You don't always win, but 
I mean, these games are always going to be televised games. Like, I can't think of a boring one. Even if you're talking about like the one where we lost four now uh, after going sixty nine games undefeated or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, obviously not great for us, but that's you know quality television, right? Uh, they showed the two games at halftime, the three two one with Steve McManus, the and the the one with um, Edward last minute goal, uh, and then obviously the one earlier in this season was the. John Suter, last minute goal. So these games are always entertaining at Tynecastle. It's always a contest, you know. Yeah. Uh, even when uh, I think they, did we not beat them five or six now one time? That was great as well. Um, I love pumping the uh, the old jam tarts. Yeah, but the, uh, did you see as well? Uh, I don't know if you've seen the tweet, the Jota's reaction to Hatati's goal. Oh, brilliant! So if you watch it when Hatati shoots, and then if you see the, the wide angle replay, Jota's like. Oh, oh, hands and head in disbelief and another funny thing as well when you slow it down the replay it looks like Craig Gordon kind of looks at Barkas as if like do you know what I mean oh how did you not get your hand to that it's right close to you but then like when you watch it at full speed it's just like a human being just can't react that fast do you know what I mean like it was just the pace was, he, of it he had, he had his hands there but I yeah. think he didn't think the ball was moving that quick yeah and look it, it moved in the air as well like there's but that's yeah. It was almost like a kind of Nakamura one. Do you see the side by side of that? Nakamura is one where the ball swings and goes in, and that the side by side where they hit the ball at the exact same time, it goes in there at the same time. Keeper does the exact same thing, goes through their fingers the same way. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah, and it was it's yeah. Hatate, mate. <laughs> well, look, we can still we we, we compare Jack and Marcus to Larson, so we compare Hatate to to Nakamura if we want. Um, we're, we're not talking, we're just talking about specific uh, things. So far, I've compared Jackie Marcus to Larson, Matt O'Reilly to Alan Thompson, and uh, Hitati to Nakamura. It's quite a comparison show. <laughs> you tell who you grew up watching, can't you? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, it was Matt a good game. Team onwards. Yeah, it was a good game. I did enjoy it, even though it was nervy. Like, I was sitting like, Counting down the seconds at the end, do you know what I mean? Like, but those are the games that, yeah, they're nervy and they're hard to watch. But at the same time, I love watching those games in a way because these are the games that build character, especially with a bunch of new players coming in, having to get used to a new league, new manager, what the expectations are. They may already be match fit, they think they are, but they're not Ange match fit. So they're getting their fitness up as well. Guys coming back from injury. And putting it all together, like I look at that and go, this is so exciting. And it's there's only room to go because you look at who was out. No Rogic, no Maeda, no Kyogo. Who else am I missing? No Turnbull. Uh, McGregor, Turnbull. No McGregor. There you go. So there's so you look at it and go, we've got so much depth up front, yet that could be a front five. The problem with the injuries isn't that there's six of them. The problem is that they were all within two positions. So it was yeah. four centre mids and two centre forwards. So that's where it becomes a problem. And yeah. the fact that our, our three centre mids were the best players on the pitch and Jack and Marcus had a good game. So they were starting to look like we might... Well, not. We, we now have the depth, but if those players don't come back from injury soon, then we might end up in a vicious cycle where... The ones that are now in are getting burned out. Well, the thing as well in that McCarthy and Sorrow having to come on late in the game, mm-hmm. yes, it's great for tactically to get them in and shore up a result, but 
I'd much rather have O'Reilly's playing like that and then suddenly be like, oh, you've played 70 minutes. Well done on debut. Now look at these tired defenders for hearts and let's put Tom Rogic to run at them. Or let's put Maeda in to run at him. Or Kyogo goes on. Yeah, and, you look at that and, that, and that's the sort of thing where you look at it and go, dude, it's going to cause some chaos. We're going to pump a team one day once we get a full squad. When that happens. Now, yeah. the other thing I want to touch on from the game, and I know you're not a big fan of his, Starfelt. I want to talk uh, about him. I want to talk about Carter Vickers. And the reason I want to talk about them is watching a game like that, I barely noticed either of them on the pitch. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, it's probably a good thing in terms of there's no massive obvious errors, but there was a couple of wobbles there where Carter Vickers was out of position one point, Starfelt's covered him. There's another time where Starfelt's stuffed up wrong side and Carter Vickers has covered him. So there's a good partnership there. And where we early on in the piece were like, oh, this guy made a mistake, this guy made a mistake, and you're pointing the finger. Now you don't know. Like, I didn't notice the mistakes until, like, when I saw replays of things going, oh, Starfelt's in the wrong position. But then you're looking at Carter Vickers has covered that. Cool. No worries. So it's like it's good to see that they've built that relationship now and partnership that they're covering for each other before I even spot it. Yeah, there was an interview with Starfelt last week or two weeks ago, and he was pointing out that they have these conversations uh, very regularly at the moment where they talk about different situations and where when one person does this, what's the other person going to do? So apparently they're having these conversations like, I don't know if it means on the sidelines or on the training pitch or whatever, but apparently it's not just a plane by instinct. They are talking about it as planned. And and I, I yeah, I didn't I wasn't sure if you're going to bring up the Starfield thing because like first half I thought he was a bit shaky because we were playing he had possession a lot and he does that thing where he can't pass with his left doesn't touch the ball with his left foot. But I had actually um I, I'll just show you the evidence. I'd actually said that um I would reluctantly give Starfield man in a match based on the <laughs> second half. Um, so I did. I did actually recognise that he was very good last night, and he was good um, uh, previous against Hibs as well. So he's had it was it Hibs, yeah, it was. So he's had two two good games to start this year. Um, yeah, I still don't like that he can't pass the ball, but he must be feeling Julian behind him and lifting his game. Exactly, that's what I think. It is more than anything now. Julian's mm-hmm. back. Welsh is nipping at his heels as well for a game. So you've got some guys there who are putting pressure on him and Carter Vickers for their starting jerseys. So competition, internal competition, the old saying is iron sharpens iron. If you've got mm-hmm. if you've got that competition going and people pushing you all the time, it's going to make you raise your game or you fall by the wayside. And the one example I always point back to is when did James Forrest play his best football? When he had Paddy Roberts nipping at his heels and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So that's the sort of thing we're seeing now, I think, with Starfield. He's settled in. He's had six months at the club. He's built a partnership with Carter Vickers and he's got competition pushing for his spot. So now he has to step it up. So it's good to see. Yeah. Still would love to have a left-footed one, but yeah, we'll take it for now. I think we do. His name's Scales. <laughs> Well, he's staking a claim as a left back at the moment. So. Yeah, I know. Uh, 
I think what will happen with Scales long term, he'll be the left sided centre back. He'll come in. That's ideally. And what will happen is we'll go and recruit, as I said, going into next season. We get into Champions League. We need to recruit a starting quality European level left back. And then mm-hmm. we're good to go. That's the way I look at it defensively. So Scales can help do the job now. Going into next season, I want him in the centre back rotation and I want a starting level left back with Taylor as his backup. In the same way, we've got a starting quality right back in Juranovic with Rolston as his backup. Mm-hmm. So, on to the next thing. It's going to be a little sad. RIP Wim Jansen. So, um, for me, Wim Jansen um, is a. I'll tell you a little story. I told you off air, Sean, but for the listeners, for me growing up over here in Australia, it was hard watching Celtic. The way it was back in the day, we had the supporters club in Melbourne who'd get tapes sent over once a month. We'd get together and we'd watch the last month's worth of games over two or three days. So you'd go in on a Friday or you'd go in on a Saturday, watch two games, go in on a Sunday, do that and catch up. And that was how we watched our games. So growing up, Watching Celtic in the 90s wasn't a very successful period, as pretty much everyone is aware. So for me, Vim Jansen is the first manager I can remember seeing lead us to winning a title. I can remember there was other times when I was real little, but this is the first one where I was going and watching those games every month and us stopping... Rangers run at the 10 and that season. And that that means a lot to me. That's one of those things that I can't really put into words what he means to me because I never met the guy. I never saw his team play live. Never been in the same building as him to breathe the same oxygen sort of thing. But that and the memories I've got of going to, those, to that CSC once a month to just watch these games and he's at the home and us winning the title, something I'm going to cherish forever as a Celtic fan. So mm-hmm. RIP with him. Condolences to you and your family and to anyone who knew him. You're in our thoughts. Yeah, and look, he, he had a good relationship with the Celtic fans, obviously. Uh, apparently when he came in, uh, he, he, he said right at the outset, I'm here just to do one year and... I think it was Jock Brown, or I can't remember if it was, was it he. I can't remember if he was there at the time or not. Um, sort of Jock Brown or Fergus McCann said, just kind of laughed like, "No, no, once yeah, you you change your mind once you you kind of get to see the place." And and now nah, he stuck he stuck to what he did. But he, no Celtic fan, every Celtic fan was so grateful to what he did. You know, they didn't uh, burn any cardboard effigies of him when he left. Um, and and it was quite a coup to get someone like Vim Jansen. Like he played in two World Cup finals, and he didn't he didn't mind flexing it. Apparently, apparently he would do it quite regularly in the dressing room when a player spoke up. He just be like, "How many World Cup finals have you played in?" Uh, it's kind of the equivalent of like I don't know someone like Didier Deschamps coming now to Celtic. It wouldn't you know it wouldn't really. It was a big prof, high profile player, even though I was too young to kind of recognize it at the time. Uh, and as you said, there was a that big gap in our growing up where it was just total Rangers dominance. Um, I would have been one just about to turn two when we won the title in uh, 1988. And, and then, yeah, obviously I don't remember that. 
So then there's this big gap until uh, 1997-98 season. And we obviously had that bad start. We lost the first two games. Everyone thinks Henrik Larson's a dud. And he managed to turn it around. Uh, talking about how he's just playing simple 4-4-2 football. Um, just win games 1 or 2-0. Doesn't matter. Uh, about attacking flair. Very different from Tommy Burns that came before him. Uh, very antithetic to that. But Tommy Burns didn't give us a title. And uh, Vim Janssen did. Um, you could say standard of opposition factors into that fine maybe yeah um but he'll never he's not going to get a statue you don't get a statue when you're there for one year you don't you know scott brown will get a statue first or fergus mccann but uh there should be something to recognize him i don't know what something a bit smaller scale maybe just a portrait somewhere something like that yeah well one other thing i want to touch on with him is I'm just going to, this may seem like I'm going on a little tangent here, but every manager I can remember in my lifetime up until this season has had a, has been Celtic-minded, has had some sort of link to the club, whether they were a Celtic fan or they played at the club or whatever. Bimmy Anson was the first person without that link. And he did come in, and in that season, going for to try and stop the 10, you hear a lot of people say that that's what we needed because it took the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. And then you look at this season, and it's the second time in my life a non-Celtic-minded person has come into the club as manager, and now it's after – it's basically the other equivalent of a a run at the 10 has been stopped, and now we've gone for someone who's not Celtic-minded – and he's building it up in Ange. So mm-hmm. it's just, I think it's kind of strange, like, that in my, you know, 30, what am I, 39, yeah, 39 years on the planet, two seasons there's been a non-Celtic-minded manager in the dugout. The year well, Wim was yeah. there in the current year with Ange. Well, so, yeah, um, Dr. Joe and John Barnes as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Dr. Joe, but, yeah. <laughs> John Barnes. Was, yeah. John Barnes, I'm not counting because he, he had Del Gleish next to him pretty much the whole time. True. So I'm not going to count that because it was his first job, but who did he have assisting slash director of football overlooking it and telling him what to do? He had mm-hmm. Del Gleish there, so let's rule Barnes out. I'm not I'm not counting that. So mm-hmm. realistically, and he ended up in the dugout anyway, Del Gleish, so that same that season. And Barnes got the chop. So, yeah, okay. Dr. J was the other one. But yeah. still, it's, um, yeah, RIP. And um, thanks for everything you did for Celtic. Another story that came out um, on whatever radio show it was I listened to, uh, apparently he'd illegally tapped up Paul Lambert while he was on Scotland International duty to sign for Celtic. That was an interesting one as well. So apparently he wasn't uh, above some of the darker arts as well. So yeah, quite a character. Yeah, sad loss. Who doesn't do that anyway? Exactly. That's what international football is for. (laughs) That's it. Get your mates in. All right. So a couple of little things to touch on before we preview the upcoming game on the weekend. So um. Saw an article, read it, didn't really give too much thought, but I, I know we've discussed it previously when we're talking about 
alcohol and gambling sponsors on shirts. And the article was that selling alcohol has been approved for sale at Ibrox going forward. My thoughts, we do it over here, no real issues. I don't know what the lay of the land is like over in Scotland for that. However, doing it at Ibrox first, like they need any more excuses to just lose their minds and sing ridiculous songs and then they can blame it on the alcohol. So I don't know. What's your thought, Sean? Well, it's been – was it Ibrox for uh, Sevco match days or was it Ibrox for other events? I think it was match days. That's interesting because I thought I thought it was bands. Um, I can find the article again quickly. Well, yeah, um, but it was banned in 1980 after the the Scottish Cup final between Celtic and Rangers, and that actually came up on my Twitter recently. The, a video of that with the the horses on the pitch and like kids sitting in the goals crying and stuff. I don't know why that kid was on the pitch to be honest, but um, either way, it, it wasn't a good look, and that was why they banned it. Um, you can still get a drink at the game, uh, but you have to pay for some of the fancy seats. Uh, the last time I went to a Celtic game, like ooh, three years ago, something like that, um, we paid for like the the cushion seats in the um, the West Stand. Um, no, wait, he's, hold on. So whatever the one to the left of the main stand is, and uh, you, you get you can go in at, uh, before the game and at half time and get a pint. Uh, and if you're in a restaurant, it's all you can drink as well uh, before and half time. Uh, so there is alcohol, but yeah, not for the riffraff outside. Uh, in England, they're allowed to have it, but you're not allowed to have it in your seat. So you can go yep. to the concourse and have some. Uh, there you go. But- so it was Rangers of Secure Permission to Sell Alcohol in the event space at the new Edmondson House. Okay. This will be so sold in a family-friendly hospitality space on the ground floor on match days and drink functions, including weddings and live gigs. Okay. And then it says that they're also looking to try and do it wider range through the stadium in the future. Yeah. So it's basically hospitality, which is what Celtic have as well. And I think most clubs have that. Um, I th- I'm assuming that's an exemption because I worked at Parkett Thistle and St. Marin and they're, they're the same. If you're in the hospitality, you can, you can drink alcohol. Uh, and... I don't see any reason why we can't. Um, I think the culture's changed enough in the last 42 years that we could move towards having like mid-strength uh, laggers for sale uh, to the general uh, attendees. I don't. I don't see why not. You know, it, that's going to be a good money earner. Uh, it's going to get some people more engaged. I, I think it just makes sense to do that. To be honest with you. Um, we'll say the flow on of that, Sean. If you're selling them at the game. Mm-hmm. It also has the flow on around the local area. If you've got other people with pubs around there, you're not going to have them going to the, the boozer before the game, just smashing as many beers as possible and going to the stadium. Yeah. So you're not going to have the trouble before the game. And if people want to make a day of it, if you've got a, a midday kickoff or a 3 p.m. kickoff, you may look at it and go, all right, let's go to the football and let's find mm-hmm. a pub, have a few more drinks, get a meal, and then go out go out in, in town later on that night. So yeah. you can make a day of it, including going to the football. You don't have to just be like, okay, get a bus, smash all my cans on the bus on the way to the stadium and then walk in pissed off my ass or whatever. So there's a way around it. Yeah, and that's, that's what we did. Perth Glory have had one home game this year because of the COVID thing. And that's what we did. We went to 
sports bar, a couple of drinks and foods. Went to the Gordy game, had a few mid-strengths there, out to the pub after. You, know, you always end up at karaoke or casino or something. If you're uh, still the old home. mid-strength madness. <laughs> yeah, look, it just ticks you over. You don't get pissed on the mid-strengths. Do you know what I mean? Like, the idea is that people drive and have a couple of them. It's that hot in Perth anyway. You sweat it out before you uh, before it gets into the liver anyway, so you're all good. Yeah. No, it's definitely good to have a – and if I go to a Dockers game, that's like – so oh, obviously people are off at the AFL. Yeah, well, people wouldn't really know the Aussie rules kind of thing, but usually I have three of those because there's four quarters. And the only reason I don't track onto a fourth is just because um, I'll be driving uh, by the time I get the bus back to the halfway home. Um, so, yeah. Back so when I fall, I've shown. Yeah, because it's, it's a half hour per quarter and five-minute breaks, ten-minute breaks in between. So you can you can fair crack through a few of them in the heat. Yeah. Now, there's another story, Sean. And I thought when I saw this, I'm like, Sean will be heartbroken. Barkas's move to Sheffield United is broken down because apparently we wanted too much. So he's going to go there on loan with an option to buy or an obligation to buy at two and a half million pound. And then, so we're taking a loss anyway. But then they didn't want to cover his full wage and we wanted a percentage of his next sale. And that's where it broke down over the percentage of next sale and covering wages. Unlucky. Cabbage hands are still at the club. What was your take? Well, when I seen the the news that he was on a train heading somewhere, <laughs> uh, did you see the tweet on the road where he was, he was holding up? I'm assuming it was his baby. And all of the replies to the tweet were like, I'm surprised you've not dropped that baby yet or stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, or how did you catch, how did you manage to catch the train? All that sort of stuff. It was absolute <laughs> comedy. Um, but I was, it's like so excited. I was like, yes, he's on his way. But um, sadly, not to be. Um, Michael Nixon must have some other irons in the fire that he thinks he can play hardball on someone who's third choice. Another thing I was surprised to read was the reported 20000 a week salary, which is very uh, contrary to reports from a, a year and a half ago, which he was on 6000 a week. So I don't know. Like, where's the truth? I thought he was on 15, Sean. I thought he was on six a day K Athens, and then we've come in with a massive, like almost two and a half times his wage. So we're paying him 15. That's what I thought he was on. Yeah, 20 sounded too much. I don't, that didn't sound right to me. Yeah. Maybe he should get, you know what they should do? 15, five grand clean, uh, clean sheet bonus. You might actually mm-hmm. want to catch the ball then. <laughs> his kid will go hungry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, yeah, hopefully it's the hope it um, goes. Yeah. yeah. Apparently yeah. there's a couple of clubs up in Scandinavia looking at him. I think Rosenberg was looking at him or um and then the team over in Sweden as well. So yeah. well, we're not gonna get money from there. So that would be a, a loan to prove himself rather than a loan to buy. Yeah. Go over there, play some games, get your value up, and then sell him in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh unfortunate. All right. On the weekend, we're playing Dundee United. Is that at our joint or at Tanados? It's at home. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, happy days. 2 a.m. Sunday. So I think I'll be doing the old... 2 a.m.? What the... For Melbourne, yeah. Was it a late game? It's a 3 p.m. kickoff. Oh, 3 p.m., right, okay. So 2 a.m. in Melbourne because we're 11 hours different. So, yeah, that'll be uh, don't look at your phone, wake up early before work and watch the game. 
That's 11 p.m. for me, so I'll probably stay up. I'll be pretty yeah, tired. Yeah. I'll put my uh, my phone on Do Not Disturb so I don't even see any notifications in our group chat if you boys are talking about the game. Perfect. I, I usually, I'll send a message and I'll see if, if no. So last night when I sent one and nobody read it, I was like, ah, these guys are all asleep or busy with work or whatever. I was watching the game on my phone, so that's why. <laughs> all right, okay. Think, think, get a notification. I was like, go away, Sean, get your notifications away. I want to see the game. Yeah. No, there could be a time time thing as well. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, uh, good. But yeah, um, we had um, got Dundee United. They're currently seventh in the league. We're still four points behind Rangers. What are you hoping to see in the game other than a win? Are you thinking? What are you thinking? Um, predicted lineup. I think it'll be similar, mainly because we don't have too many personnel to change it. I think there will be a couple of changes, but not too many. Um, I'd say Yota is going to start again. Uh, I think Abada might come in for Forrest because Forrest played like almost 90 minutes last night. Yeah, uh, oh wait, no, did he? No, he didn't. Forrest did. Forrest played the 97 Forrest played the whole game. Yeah, so he'll be out and Abada will be in. Uh, Jack and Mac as will have to start again. Midfield three, the only possible change would be McCarthy or Sorrow. Um, maybe McCarthy comes in. Hitati might be gubbed after playing 89 minutes and not playing for a month before that because of the shutdown in Japan. Defence, possible that Ralston comes in, but other than that, not, I don't see any other changes. I think Dundee United have just snapped a crazy losing streak. Am I wrong on that? They won last night 2-1. Uh, I think it was Tony Watts' first game for them. and He got oh, yeah. the assists for the, the winning goal. So that should be interesting. That's a revenge game for Tony Watt. But yeah, I think, yeah, look at that. Before... So they beat Kilmarnock in the Cup. So before the weekend, they would one, two, three, four, five, six, six losses in a row in the league. And if you count back even further, it's eight out of 10 losses or one win out of 11 games before that. So they were on a pretty shocking run of form. And then Tony That's Watts awesome. came in. Yeah, um, well, they're still, even if you look at those losses, they're still not, other than us beating them 3 now. They're not too, conceding too many goals. I heard Charlie McGrew's a doubt, and I'd need to look into that in more detail. So, yep. could be a couple of excels in there. Yep, it'd be interesting. Yeah, for me, I think any obvious one would be a barter starts instead of Forrest. That was it. I'd keep the lineup how it was. Mm-hmm. Go there and, yeah, Jack and Macca's hat trick. There you go. We'll win 3 0. You stick on, hat trick. No, like he's one of those players, like what did they take John Hartson 10 games or something to get his first goal? Like takes the bigger boys a bit of more time to get out to pace. I think he's had two straight games where he's scoring, so it's time to uh you know, now he's had a run of games. Let's go. You said Mulgrew's out, so I'm like, there's a tall centre back out for him. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's catching up on Ralston and the goal scoring sharks. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> What's your score prediction? Um yeah, well, the last, I'd said before as well, like these three league fixtures, uh, the Hearts, Dundee United and Sevco ones, the corresponding previous games had us in one point out of nine. So we've already bettered that by beating Hearts at Tynecastle. So we're three points already. So I, I, I'd start, I'm confident we'll get this. I don't want to say confident, but I strongly believe we'll get the three points. I'm never confident. And um, yeah, I don't think it'll be... A, I'm going to say 2-0. I think 2-0. I think it'll be kind of like the Hibs game. I think it'll be more like that. We're done United. We'll get a couple of half chances, but we'll probably step it up when we need to and 
get the goals and then kind of cruise out the last 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, my dog's just walked into the building, so if you hear panting, that's what's going on. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, three points is the main the main objective there. Um, yeah. Other than that, we'll, uh, as we said early on, next week our pod is going to be live. We'll do a live pod on uh, Wednesday, I think probably Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll figure that out and put it up on the socials when we're doing it, preview the Glasgow Derby. Other than that, Sean, what's your final thought for the week? Uh, my final thought is don't waste your time going to see the Matrix 4. It is balls. I was going to say a sweetie word there. It's not a good film. I did not enjoy it. Don't waste and your time. Me, and for me, Bob Malkin is a knob. That is all. Yeah. But we already knew that. You know, right, we got everyone. through the whole podcast without mentioning Jonathan Afalabi once. Oh, yeah. Rinda. <laughs> <laughs> Leo Connor as well, gone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Never seen him play a game. Anyway. It is what it is. So, yeah, just everyone on Facebook, please give our, our page a like. Try Join our group. Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at Celtic Down. YouTube channel, Celtic Down Under. Website, www.celticdownunder.com. Had a good chat, Sean. And, um, yep. yeah, let's uh, – so we go on the weekend. Another three points is absolute must for the team going into the derby. So, um, yeah, until then, how hell. How hell.